is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Okay. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm really good. It's good to see you. Yes, it too. And I wanted to have Jacqueline on because I feel like um, she has so much to share when it comes to common sense when it comes to eating. Um, just before we actually started this video, uh, we were kind of talking how, how crazy it is that people are still selling macro plans and calorie plans and stuff like that. And these are the things that all of us have tried. Um, and this is what we're doing in this group. We want to get rid of those, uh, those old habits because as we have all seen, they were not helpful. So Jacqueline has a better plan and she has some really good tools and tips uh, for all of us to, to take home. So Jacqueline, why don't you tell us first what got you here uh, and what exactly are you doing? Yeah, definitely. So I started out, um, I never actually did dieting like growing up, but I did gain a ton of weight when I became a teacher. Um, I was working in a high stress environment, high poverty, low income, um, low uh, support. And also started dating my boyfriend, now husband and boyfriend, and I was in grad school all the three times. So, right. So like I had all of these problems with stress happening. So the only way I knew how to handle stress was to reward myself and give myself food. So I would like leave work and I would have this like an awful day. And I also probably wasn't eating all day long and would leave work and then stop at McDonald's to reward myself for a shitty day and then get home. I'd be like, I need to eat more. And so the first thing we would do in a new relationship, you eat out a lot. You go to restaurants, you order, right? So we would order junk food and then we would eat cookie dough. And so I was in this habit of not eating all day long, starving myself, and then eating high calorie foods um, to reward myself and ultimately gain probably like 20, 25 pounds um, and felt really terrible about myself, just felt awful. And it was, you know, a really rough period in life too. Like my early twenties, um, no one taught me how to take care of myself and I was doing the best that I could. Um, I knew I needed to lose weight or I thought <laughs> I need to lose weight. If I just lose weight, that will solve everything. Um, didn't think about like, actually you need to learn how to, uh, manage stress better, or you need to find a job that, um, is actually in alignment with the life that you want to create. But no, like those, no, not handle the actual things. It was just, I need to lose weight. If I can lose weight, that will solve everything instead of solve all the other things. And then you'll get to a healthy weight. And so, um, this is, I think I tried counting calories for a while. Um, try using my fitness pal. Then I found out about 21 day fix and the little cute Tupperware containers. And I was doing that, but then I would find myself, um, still like binging on food, just eating like a ton of junk food, messing up the containers, messing up the calories, whatever, and just eating a ton of sweets. So then I found out about whole 30 and whole 30 felt like the Holy grail. It was like, it was, it was really appealing because it was very black and white. And so there was none of this, oh, you can have some sugar, you know, or you can have like any, a little bit. Whole30 felt so safe to me, so restrictive. Um, I felt safe because it was just, no, <laughs> those foods are not allowed. And so it actually felt really easy for me to just avoid going out to dinner with people to avoid going out to bars. Let me just avoid the break room in the teacher's lounge or the, the teacher's lounge. Let me just avoid all of those things. It felt really easy for me to follow those rules and follow um, the, the, the meal template, right? Um, what I didn't know was what do you do after the 30 days, right? Like what do you do? Great. You're perfect for 30 days. What happens on day 31? And here's what I found happened. Um, without the safe black and white rules of Whole30, I binge like crazy. I reverted back to old habits, went through that period of restriction. Um, now I'm eating like copious amounts of these foods that weren't allowed and I'm feeling disgusting and I don't know what to do. So what do I do? Get myself together and do another Whole30. And so I just kept doing it like over and over and over again. If I messed up, it was like, oh my gosh, get, you know, like what's wrong with you? Get this right. Um, and it, like, it carried on like that for close to maybe two years of just, um, just being really mean to myself and just feeling like I have to stick to whole 30. If I don't stick to whole 30, I don't even know how to eat healthy. 
And so I would do that. And I mean, I mean, I missed out a, a lot. Like we lived in some really fun neighborhoods and I missed out on going to restaurants. I missed out on, um, you know, certain food groups. I missed out on a lot of social occasions because I didn't feel safe. And ultimately I decided like, I cannot keep doing this because I realized this is not a long-term plan and it didn't set me up for how to actually live life. Um, so it was just like a really crappy, <laughs> a crappy situation with food. Yeah. 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 Um, sounds, I think um, when the girls are listening to it, they're like, yes, yes, yes. So why is it that this black and white approach, why is that so appealing though? Because we have all, all been there. I, I think none of us have been like moderator, like, oh, I can have a little bit of that. You know, we used to do this black and white and that worked for a while, but then it stopped working. But what, what is the appealing thing about that black and white? So I, for me, it was really appealing because I was actually someone who let myself down a lot, like didn't, like couldn't get myself to stick to plans. And so you, you know, you're sticking to the plan, right? Like, you know, it, it felt good. It felt like, wow, I'm finally on disciplining myself enough. I'm finally, I'm finally doing it. Like I'm finally, you know, I'm going to get to being a stick. I'm finally going to have that perfect body because I am finally being super restrictive and super disciplined around food. And that felt really good to, because, right, so I talked about, like, things are kind of a mess <laughs> at my job and with school. Um, this felt like I'm finally doing something right, uh, but didn't think about, okay, but is this actually something that you can do uh, long-term? And kind of use that, like, black and white, like, all or nothing. You're either all on it or the opposite, you are all off of it. But what does moderation look like? There's no plan for that. <laughs> what does it look like when you go to your in-law's house or your parents' house or your grandmother's house? Or actually, my grandfather passed away um, during Whole30, and that opened up wonderful. Now I'm in a room with tons of sweets. Of course I binge. <laughs> like, of course I ate everything in sight because it was like, well, the, the switch went off. If I'm not doing Whole30, then my brain is like, if you're not doing Whole30, then you're binging. So even just being in the presence, like having that mindset of like, this is a black and white thing. This is an all or nothing thing. Um, I also feel like Whole30 programmed me to think that I was an addict, to think that I was like a sugar addict, to think that I couldn't be around carbs. And I remember reading, when you talk about moderation, I remember reading a blog that was like, um, obviously you can't do moderation. That's why you're here on our blog to learn about whole 30. Like you can't be trusted around food. Um, you're a food addict. So I like, I listen to this stuff and I think especially because I was in such a vulnerable period, vulnerable period, it was like, they were hitting the points that, you know, I was struggling with. So I was like, wow, they have a solution for me. It's kind of like cult, like thinking, like I was like, they are in my head and well, they're skinny, so I should just listen to what they have to say because obviously they know more about food and my body than I do because I'm an effing mess. Like, look at me, right? Yeah. They did like really good marketing then, if you, if you, you know, because in marketing, they say you have to, they speak your language, right? You're like, okay, that's me, that's me. They know exactly how I feel, therefore, I have to get their stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so did you, did you lose weight then on whole 30 and uh, the other diets that you tried, or you said you didn't do like diet as much, but you know what you yeah. did you lose weight. <clears throat> yes. Um, I would lose weight, but it was really artificial. It would be, you know, like a few pounds here and there. Um, I will say this, that I was someone who ate a lot of junk food before I looked at 21 day fix. And before I looked at whole 30, I did not know, like we're talking about macro plans. Like, yes, like having a baseline knowledge of nutrition and knowing like, these are carbs, these are fats, this is protein. I didn't know what foods had protein. Like I just didn't know what protein was. I didn't know these things. Right. So like it gave me that knowledge, but that was pretty much all I needed. Like if someone said, Hey, when you make a meal, make sure it has a ton of vegetables and make sure it has some protein. Had someone said that to me, it would have, I probably would not have needed to do all of these crazy, like tallying things and you know, all of the crazy things. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, so I lost like a little bit of weight, but then it would be like, I was constantly looking in the mirror, uh, constantly taking progress photos and the progress photos were still never enough. Right. Like it was like, we take the photo and be like, great. Like I see weight loss here, but there's still fat on this part of your body. So it didn't matter. It was never enough. Um, I never looked like the people on the TV shows or I never looked like the people in on the websites. Um, and it just made me like hyper obsessive about food and then also freak out if the scale went up a few pounds, like, Oh my gosh, like I've gained it all back. Mm -hmm. So weight gain is a, is a thing that a lot of uh, girls in this group have experienced because as you know, um, I used to do a lot of hypothermic amenorrhea stuff. So their weight gain is necessary. So some girls have been through, some girls are still going through that. Um, how did you deal with that when the weight went up? What was your self-talk and how did you handle it? Yeah. Um, so I do know that. So, okay. I, I was, I was definitely heavier when I, before I, um, started eating vegetables, I was heavier and then I lost weight and I got down pretty low. Um, and then gained a little bit back, but it's like, I don't get on the scale to look and see how much weight I gained back because I know about like, this is what I know about my body right now. Um, and about what I'm able to do in life. Um, I can go to a restaurant <laughs> and not have to look at the menu ahead of time. Um, my husband still loves me. In fact, even when I was heavier, he didn't not love me then I didn't like me. Um, but he, you know, even though I'm a few pounds heavier than I was, he's never once said, ew, like what's wrong with you. He actually probably likes me more now because we can have pizza in the house or we can go to a restaurant, right? Like, so me not being obsessive over food has actually helped our relationship, even though I'm a few pounds heavier than what I was. Um, so that's helped our relationship and that's helped my self-esteem and that my confidence and, um, let's see, um, I forgot your question. <laughs> so how you handled the weight gain. Yeah. So, you so I'm not looking at the scale constantly. I'm not getting on the scale every single day. I actually had to go to the doctor's office, um, on Monday because, so I'm a runner and I had to go, I'm having some knee and hip pain and I had to get on the scale and I was like, whatever, like whatever number it is, it doesn't matter because I know a couple of things. One, it's afternoon. Afternoon. I've already eaten a meal and a snack, right? Two, I'm wearing jeans and I'm wearing my boots. Um, so whatever that number says, it doesn't even matter because I already know it's, it's heavier than what my weight is um, if I'm naked. And also, I know that I'm healthy. Like I know that I am the healthiest that I've ever been because also my mental health is way better than it's ever been, right? Like I've been uh, skinnier and I've um, had more muscle in my, on my body, um, but those are also the times that I was, right, like spending so much of my time meal prepping and thinking about calories and looking at photos. So it's like being the happiest and healthiest right now with a few pounds extra, I can deal with that because it's given me freedom in life. Um, and it's also like, I can still move around and do the things that I want to do in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a big thing that I recommend everybody to, to think about. Yes, you're gaining weight, but you're gaining weight for a reason. If, if that low weight, um, made you feel uncomfortable in some cases it can make you sick. So now you're healthier physically and mentally than that totally outweigh, outweighs the, the rest in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like a, we need some little perspective shift here and focusing on the right thing, not the random number on the scales, which is pretty random. Right. Um, yeah. And then I also know too, that even when I was slimmer, I didn't like my body. Like I wasn't like, like you can post a photo on social media and have like a, you know, whatever, but also in the back of your head, you're like, oh, you know, there was that dimple or there was mm -hmm. that cellulite in, you know so-and-so doesn't see this, but it's like, I can remember being smaller and still not liking myself, yeah. still being miserable. Yeah. Um, and now I can look and I can be like, oh, there's cellulite on the back of my thighs. 95% mm -hmm. of women have cellulite on the back of their thighs, right? 
So it's like, I don't love that cellulite and I'm not, it's not a dove commercial in my bathroom. When I look at my cellulite, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I love every inch of my body, but it's kind of like, oh, that's there, whatever, like moving on with my life. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this week in the group, our theme is breaking the food rules because a lot of us have had many different food rules, um, whatever they are from calorie counting to micro counting to like not eating after six, there's like tons of things. So how would you start letting go of them? Maybe you can have like, give us like one example that you did personally. Yeah. Letting go of the whole 30 approach. Yep. So it's really interesting because so all of those food rules that you just named, it's there. It's, so there's so much information out there and a lot of it is so conflicting, right? Like, like being vegan and being keto are the numbers, like the top two things that people can do right now to be healthy. And they're the exact opposites, right? So it's like, what I actually did after I stopped whole 30 is, um, I, so actually let me backtrack. So we had moved to Atlanta, uh, and I spent all of February uh, sitting in an apartment by myself. I was unemployed, looking for a job, moved there for my husband's job, um, and afraid to go to restaurants. So I spent all of February sitting in an apartment by myself, uh, afraid to do anything in life so that I could be skinny. In March, we ordered pizza. It was actually today, uh, March 11th, and we ordered pizza. And I think it was like a Friday or Saturday. It was a Friday. And I said something like, oh, balance, like I can have this pizza because balance, right? No, that eating that pizza set off this weekend long binge. But on that Monday, Sunday and Monday, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like I cannot keep binging on pizza. So that was the day that I was like, I need to figure out how to have some pizza without eating all of the pizza. And that was my goal. I need to learn how to have some without eating all. Um, so that I can be a normal functioning human. That doesn't mean that I solved all of my problems that weekend and I magically knew how to balance food. I actually researched several other diets after doing Whole30 and that's what brought me to, I tried to be vegan for a while. I tried to just do paleo, not Whole30, but do paleo. I tried counting calories. I tried counting macros. I tried doing all of these things and I also was looking at people on social media, looking at all of these people. And I was like, you know, everyone has all of these different plans for how it is to be healthy, but they're all conflicting. And if you look at all of these like different cultures and like how people eat, it's like every, everyone has all of these like perfect boxes that they fit in. But the gist of all of it is eat mostly plant-based foods and have a little bit of fun. But so kind of that like 80, 20, so that became my mindset of like, what would that look like, right? So I actually went from being like hyper controlling with Whole30 to being, to releasing a little bit of my rules. Um, it wasn't like overnight where I, like sometimes I see this with like intuitive eating, like <laughs> everything's allowed and that can feel really scary for someone who's had so many rules. So my background is in education. I used to be a kindergarten teacher and I talk about gradual release of control. So you don't have to go from, and I have this up on my wall, you don't have to go from A to Z, you can go from A to B. So if you have 10 million rules about food, releasing one of the rules, just releasing one, like, okay, cool. I have this rule that um, I'm not allowed to eat pizza. What would it look like if I could include a little bit of pizza on my Fridays? I have this rule that I'm not allowed to eat dessert because that's a rule of Whole30. What would it look like if I could have a single serving of dessert and practice doing that? And so that was kind of what I did. You might have a rule of like, I'm not, you know, I'm not supposed to eat carbs after 6 p.m. or whatever. What would it look like if I could just practice having a serving of carbs after 6 p.m. and just see what happens and just see? Um, so I feel like that, like gradually releasing it, and then increasing independence. And what happens with that for me and what I see with when I work with clients is by doing it slowly, um, you start to create evidence for yourself. You're like, okay, like, okay, like everything's okay. I didn't just massively gain a hundred pounds. Um, I didn't, you know, it's just this slow thing. Actually, I go back. I remember when I quit Whole30, I didn't want to tell anyone that I quit Whole30 because I was afraid 
that eating rice, I would gain back, like I would gain 30 pounds by allowing myself to eat rice. Like I was so afraid. And then when I was like, okay, eating rice, like nothing happens. Every, like literally everything is fine. And now you are more comfortable. Um, so that's what I would recommend. You don't have to release all of your rules, but just do it slowly and start to create evidence for yourself that, Hey, everything's actually all right. Um, don't get on the scale every day to see, (laughs) don't do that. But like, okay, cool. I'm becoming more of a normal eater and moving closer to feeling normal and moving away from feeling hyper obsessive Mm -hmm. and feeling paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah, So good. And, uh, also very in line with what we do this work this week for our homework it's also, you know, pick one rule that you want to work on. Just do one, right? That's, that's not do like a complete overhaul because that's always very overwhelming. It only creates the feelings of like, I'm, I couldn't do it. I'm miserable. I'm not capable of that change. Um, so that's why we do one thing at a time. And also like, let's go to that worst case scenario. What actually is going to happen if I eat rice after 6 p.m.? Like, what is, the, what is the deal? And then we try it out and be like, okay, didn't die. You know, didn't get made yeah. overnight. You know, nothing crazy happened. And then I feel like one by one, you take one thing and then you get comfortable with it and then you're ready yeah. to move on to the next thing. And um, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything super drastic, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, totally agree with that. That's, that's really good. Um, so what is your approach now? You have kind of like your own framework that you use a lot. So how do you teach your clients to eat normally without counting, tracking, measure, measuring, but still yeah. eating healthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people that come to me are people that um, they, they do want to lose weight still. Um, I have a couple of clients that actually have worked with macro coaches or calorie counting coaches. And um, are super afraid of having dessert in the house because they're like, every time I have it, I binge. And I'm like, sure, because you just went through a period of not getting to eat it. Like that's your body's natural reaction is let me eat everything in sight. So basically, like I said, like I want to help people and I help my clients move from where they are now, where they are um, hyper obsessive over food, um, maybe they're binging, to feeling more no- normal, feel normal with food. Um, I also think about because I have a background in education and I've worked with young girls and I've seen girls as young as second grade, you know, being obsessive over their bodies or over food. What are the things that you'd want for an eight-year-old or a five-year-old, right? A lot of my clients who come to me tell me they first learned dieting from their mom. Their mom was doing Weight Watchers and said, do this with me right? So they learn to do Weight Watchers at age 12. So I think it's really important that us as females, we think about our actions with food and what we post on social media because kids uh, kids learn. Kids learn from the adult females in their life. They, they learn from that. So when I talk about food, the same stuff that I want for my adult clients are the thing, same things that I'd want for the eight-year-old versions of themselves. And I don't want an eight-year-old girl counting macros. I don't want an eight-year-old girl feeling afraid of carbs. I don't want her feeling afraid of ice cream. I also don't want an eight-year-old girl eating pints of ice cream after dinner. Or um, she got a bad test score eating, you know, seven cookies to make herself feel better about that test score, right? So it's this you know, what we want for ourselves, you know, as women, adult women, we should think about what do we want for the younger versions of ourselves or the young females in our lives. I don't have children of my own, but I think about my students. I think about my niece. I think about if a young female were ever to find me on social media, I want what I'm saying to be something that an eight-year-old could do and that a five-year-old could actually understand. So, it's really simple. I based like, it's um, not something a registered dietitian would ever talk about food in this way, but it makes sense to me and it would make sense for a five-year-old. And that is the five fees. So plants, protein, a little bit of processed fun food, plenty of water and plate it. So when I say plants, vegetables, right? Vegetables and fruit, things grown in the ground. Um, Whole30 made me really afraid of fruit, which is dumb. And keto makes people afraid of baby carrots and apples. And going back to, do you want a five-year-old girl afraid of baby carrots 
or apples or bananas, the carbs in a banana. No, you don't want her afraid of it. So don't be, you know, like you have to practice eating it and not being afraid of it too. So plants, uh, protein. Again, I did not know in my early 20s what protein was. Had someone told me, Jacqueline, eat some protein, some plants and protein with your lunch instead of a lean pocket because it's the lowest calorie or, you know, a, a 100 calorie can of soup or a Weight Watchers meal or lean cuisine. If someone had just said, these are the foods that have protein in it, these will help you stay fuller longer, be kinder to your body, right? So plants, uh, protein, and whether those are animal-based proteins or plant-based proteins, um, processed fun food, why are we practicing having that? Because it, a couple of things. One, it makes the meal fun. So if I'm going to make a salad, I'm going to put like maybe a little bit of cheese on it or a little bit of ranch dressing or maybe crunch up a few tortilla chips. Um, so having that included with the meal makes the meal fun and enjoyable. And also it takes away the, um, the fear, like you're practicing having it in a way that feels good. Uh, it's not that giant binge, but it's like, cool, I just crunched up some tortilla chips on my salad and I proved to myself I can have some tortilla chips without eating all of them. Um, so plants, protein, a little bit of processed fun food, plenty of water. I am constantly walking around with glasses of water, um, with a water bottle. That's another thing as a teacher. Didn't know that drinking water would help keep me energized and full. So, and that's why I find that with a lot of people too, is like they're just not drinking enough water um, throughout their day. And then the last one is plate it. So I work with a lot of people who, um, moms, people rushing through their day, um, that don't take a break. They don't take a break from lunch or for lunch during their workday. And, um, putting food on a plate and forcing yourself to sit down, even if it's just for 10 minutes to eat your food, not eating it in front of the pantry, not eating it in the fridge. If you are going to get up and get some chips, whatever, get some potato chips, put it on a plate and actually look and see what you're eating and then like eat it. Um, a lot of times we, people are just so used to eating out of the bag and they're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Oh, look, I binged on all this stuff. This is why I can't have it in the house. But it's like, well, if you slow down and put it on a plate and look at it and actually experience the food that you're eating, it, it you'll actually probably eat less and probably enjoy it more and then also not feel gross and feel like you can't have it in the house because you can't trust yourself. So those are the five Ps. The last thing that I tell people too is, hey, <laughs> that's not going to be possible all the time. You are not always going to be able to do this. So the other thing I say is, that's like, that's like game plan A. Game plan B is eat with ease. Eat with ease means um, do the best you can. So we were in Thailand for three weeks for our honeymoon and it's like, cool, like that's not always going to work. Like we're eating like street food, right? We're eating, we had like lots of rice and meats, but also I'm looking for fruit anytime I can. There were times that maybe I felt like, Ooh, that was kind of a lot of rice. I feel full the next meal. Sometimes it was just a salad from like the Starbucks. Yes, we're in Thailand. And like I stopped at Starbucks to get a salad a few times because I could just feel in my body that I needed some veggies. So kind of having that like, cool, this is game plan A, and also knowing that's not always gonna be able to happen, but that doesn't mean the plan is ruined, that's life. And so I talk about imperfect eating in a lot of different, like it's called imperfect eating. Um, you're going to eat some imperfect foods and you're gonna survive. Um, you're gonna eat some perfect, imperfect foods and probably mess up and binge and feel gross, and that's part of learning it. And then also there are going to be times that your game plan is not going to be able to happen, but you, you have your, okay, cool. This is what we do when that doesn't, that's not able to happen and it's fine. And you just keep moving through life and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The way I see the, the 5P plan, uh, it's, it's a guideline, right? It's not, it's not like a rule. It's not yeah. like a, you know, a whole 30 that says that, you know, you cannot have an apple or it's going to like check your blood sugar up like crazy and you're going to be craving foods for the rest of the day and you won't step, you know, whatever the things are that tell you, um, it's not like that. So it's like, you know, do your best, but don't freak out if it doesn't always work. Like don't freak out if you had like five chips out, out of the bag, it's, it's no big deal. Right. But it's just like, what I want like everybody to understand that this is again, like we're not doing the black and white thing here. Right. We're, yeah. we're yeah. navigating the, you know, what's in between all the time. Yep. Yeah. 
And like when we, yeah, I think about that too. Like we were in Thailand and it's like, I had coconut ice cream for breakfast two mornings, right? Like that doesn't fit with the five Ps. That's like, oh my gosh, I wasn't sitting and eating this. And where does coconut ice cream fit on, you know? No. Or sometimes people will message me and they're like, I see you, you know, these protein bars you consider protein and these you consider processed. Like what is the rule? And I'm like, well, <laughs> they like, it's, it's not black and white. Like it, the, these things, um, it's not black and white, but it's like, how can you, yes, honor nutrition, but also be a functioning human. Like food is not the most important part of your life. It's not, it is yeah. not the most, food is supposed to support your living so, you know, so that you can go do all of the things, but the way that we approach food when we're trying to get healthy is being hyper, hyper obsessive. And that's not the point. I, my goal for my clients is to get to a point that food is a non-issue. Like this isn't something that you even need to talk about in a few months. It's just yes. like, it's a non-issue. Like I'm yeah. not hyper obsessing about how many calories or how many potato chips I ate or if I, you know, it's a, it's a non-issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It should be like a natural part of your life that helps you to do other things. And of course you want to eat healthy. So you have the energy to do these things. Um, but sometimes that also means having some processed foods and having some fun stuff because they are also part of the thing. It's that's the enjoyable, enjoyability part, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, okay. I think we covered a lot of food stuff. So, um, let's talk, talk a little bit about exercise too. I know that you are a runner, but I honestly, I don't know much about your exercise background. Were you ever like an obsessive exerciser? Because we, us in, in this group, some of us have been there. So can you relate to that too? Yeah. So again, similar to like, I didn't, um, I was not a very active person growing up. Like I, I didn't have a lot of issues with food in my body, but I, um, had very low self-confidence, um, was cut from like every sports team I had ever been on or just quit. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm really bad at this. So I kind of had this identity actually that I was a quitter about everything. And so when I found this success with Whole30 and, you know, learning from the creator of Whole30, I was like, okay, I just need to do the same thing for running. I had started and stopped couch to 5k, a 5k program so many times that around the same time as Whole30, I was like, I am just going to commit to it. And I am going to, you know, black and white thinking, you are just going to do this every single day. You know, you're successful with Whole30 with this, just do the same thing with exercise. So that's what I did. Um, I, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, I don't regret anything I did with diets or with exercise. Cause I think it had to happen in order to get where I'm at. But I don't think that this is the, the healthy way to go about it. But I ended up, I like went from running a 5k, my first 5k to signing up for a marathon and, um, trained for the marathon, finished the marathon, hated running, hated it. And the only way I could get myself to run again was by doing another challenge. So I did this, like, I'm going to run one day every day for 31 days for my 31st birthday. And then the 31st day hit and I was like, that's still not enough. I'm going to run one day for every day for a hundred days, which actually I see this a lot with people who do whole 30. They'll do a whole 30 and they'll be like, mm, I need to be more restrictive. Let me deal, do a whole 60 or a whole 90 or a whole 120. So I did the same thing with running. And it's, um, I love the author Janine Roth. She says like our relationship with food, we can see our relationship with food in the way that we view basically anything in the world. And looking back and I'm like, Oh, that's what she meant. Like, yeah, I was trying to do this thing with food and then I tried to do the same thing with exercise and then the exact same thing happened. So I ran 100 days in a row on day 101. I hated exercise. I hated running. I hated it. Um, felt sick to my stomach about running. Could not get myself to run again until I signed up for another marathon. So I was in this all or nothing mindset with running. <laughs> same thing as all 30. And that continued on for a long time um, until uh, I did my, one, two, three, my third marathon and like half marathons and whatever else in there. Um, did my third marathon and was like, I don't want to run anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And it was weird because I had also just started a podcast about running 
And I was like, but I don't actually want to run anymore. I was like, I don't know what to do now. Like this, I've just messed it up. But so what I ended up doing was I was like, what, what would it look like if I, right? Like the same thing. How do I eat healthy without being on a diet? How do I run without training for a race? Like, what does it look like to be a casual runner? Um, how do I do that? And so what I started doing was um, going out for shorter runs. I stopped looking at my time. I stopped comparing myself to other people. Um, I stopped trying to get faster because that was another thing during my 100 days. It's like that, what, that the running 100 days was still not enough. It was like, I have to get, I have to run like a, like a sub eight mile. And if I don't run a sub eight minute mile, then I'm not good enough. And I've ruined this. It's like, oh my gosh, like, what? like it's never good enough. It's never good enough. Um, but so being a casual runner, when I took that on, like, what would it look like to be a casual runner? That means that I run for fun. Some days I don't run. Um, and there was, you know, there, I wish, I think there were times that I probably wish I had run more, but I also, we were traveling, like I said, we were in Thailand, we were doing road trips. There's a lot of different things happening, but I was like, okay, like running is kind of weaving in and out of my life. I haven't gone like several months of not running, which is what it was before, kind of the same thing with eating healthy. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm a casual runner. Then I did decide to sign up for another marathon. So my fourth marathon I did that um, October of 2018. My training for this marathon looks completely different than my training uh, for our previous marathons. I never looked at my time when I, while I was training. Um, I ran walked. So like I actually planned in walk breaks. Um, so I would run for four minutes and walk for one minute. Never looked at my time. And then my goal for the marathon was <laughs> – um, I think it was two, maybe three. It was one, um, finish the marathon or finish, do training and stay in, injury free. And then the other was to like running after the race is done, which had never, because I had always finished the race, hated running, needed like, you know, a five, four month, six month, whatever break. So my goal was how can I train for this marathon and actually still want to run after the marathon? And so it's the opposite of what every running coach says, but I um, did not give 120% at my runs. Um, I still showed up. I still did it, whatever, but I was not killing myself for speed work because at the end of the day, I'm not winning the race. I like, I am not paid. I'm not paid to be a runner. This is not my job. It's okay for me to go to a hobby and have fun and not kill myself for this hobby. And I, it's funny cause like I'll interview running coaches for my podcast and like that, like a lot of them, like they're like, Oh, I'm going to make you like the fastest runner ever. And I was like, or we could just like help them and like runnings, you know, that could be something too. Um, but so I finished that marathon. It was one of the hardest marathons I, I ever did. My time was very slow. There was also like, there was a flood and it was a trail marathon. There's like other crap that happened during that race, but I finished. No one asked me what my time was. No one cared what my time was. I didn't care. And guess what happened? A week after the marathon, I was like, I think I'm ready to get back out there. And I got back out and started running because I wanted to. It was the first time that I wasn't like, oh man, you really should, you know, you should get back to this or like looking like, oh, what race should you do to get yourself back out there? Because I didn't push myself to 120%, I actually still liked running. And so it was like, it was kind of that weird thing of like, I didn't actually accomplish my goal for that marathon until weeks after that goal. Cause I was like, oh, you actually still like running. So that was October of 2019. Um, I ran with a run group over, I'm in Chicago, so it's kind of cold here. I ran with a run group over the winter. And then it's, what is it right now? It's March. Um, I, I, I did sign up for two marathons this year. Cause I was like, wow, like your mileage is still up there. Why don't you just do a marathon? And now because I've been consistent with that, because I've been consistently running, I'm not starting at zero again. Like I have double, double digit mileage. My pace is not fast. Again, I've never 
going to win a race and I'm okay with that. But like I ran 16 miles last week and, um, you know, the marathon's in a month and I'm like not freaking out. Cause I just kind of see it as like, Oh, like that'll be fun. Someone's going to give me food while I'm out running. But that race doesn't really mean anything. It's just like a fun thing. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like you went from those, like, uh, um, your, your purpose or your goal became more like I do what's fun and what keeps yeah. me healthy and not yes. like just beat myself up real hard and see how, you know, how much I can handle, you know, you went from yeah. that approach to much more water and the same, same shift happened, happened with your food, right? Same idea, basically. And yeah. also there's a parallel with like how you used to be very restrictive with food and now you weren't. And then you used to be very restrictive with your numbers and your um, whatever Apple Watch or what you're using. Yeah. And now you're like, okay, I'm going to leave this stuff at home. Right. So like, I think it all comes down to sustainability. If we want to eat normally for the rest of our life, if we want to move our bodies normally for the rest of our life, then we have to stop doing the crazy stuff that, that, you know, that just sucks the life out of us. And we never want to do these things again. And that's why people get to extremes, right? Like yep. that's why, you know, I've been talking about it a little bit recently too, in my social media that I, I have a problem with when people say that all exercise is bad just because at one point they overdid it. So I cannot agree with that. I, I have to say exercise is good if it's done in moderation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? So, yes. um, and the same thing with food, you know, we cannot say that you can eat like absolutely everything like old crap all day long. No. Yep. That's again, coming from being very, very restrictive all of a sudden we are at the same, at the other side of things, the truth is always in the middle. I think this yep. year we always come back to, right? It's, it's like, I, right now I am the happiest that I've ever been. Right. And if I look at how I eat, it is, it is still very, like, it's still mostly plants. It's mostly plant-based, but like, I'm like, I had a quesadilla for dinner. Like, oh my gosh, like tortillas, like, oh my gosh. Right. Um, and I've also found like with movement, with it, even calling it movement instead of like, oh, I have to go work out or I have to go exercise. Like I started doing a, um, walk part of my morning non-negotiables is that I get up and I get out of, this is my office. I leave my office and I go for a morning walk first thing in the morning. So I take my dog for a walk and I take myself for a Jacqueline walk and thinking of it as movement for mental health. Like I am out there walking around for my mental health so that I'm away from a screen. I'm, you know, feeling cold air on my body, feeling alive. Um, last winter I was barely, um, when it was cold out, like I was barely leaving my house, but like, yeah, like exercise without it, I was miserable with too much of it. I was miserable <laughs> with just the right, the Goldilocks amount feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. And this is long-term I can walk. This is long-term. I can walk when I'm 80, hopefully. And also this is something that I'd want for the five-year-old version of myself. If I had a daughter, if I was teaching kindergarten still, would I want a five-year-old out walking her dog for a walk? And herself for a walk? Yes, of course. Um, you know, a million percent I'd want a five-year-old taking intentional walks during her day. Yeah. Actually, before you, when you were talking about like, what do you want for a five-year-old? I was also thinking, what do we want for like a 70-year-old woman? We don't want her to be tracking macros, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something that she's been doing yeah. since she was like 12 or whatever. You, you had somebody had like a, you know, started Weight Watchers when she was 12. But that's, that's, you know, we are on this path if we don't do anything about it. Like, yes. and who wants to, who wants to do that stuff when they're 80 years, 70 years old? Like, no. Um, thinking, so yeah. Thinking about getting skinny at 80 yeah. years old. Yeah. 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 Um, one more question I wanted to ask you is the um, compensating for eating by doing a lot of exercise. Do you have any experience with that? And um, if so, what advice would you have for those who are struggling with this? Yeah. I think that's the big thing too of the, wh what do you want for the, like the five-year-old version of yourself, the young girl version of yourself. Um, I think that, so I have a lot of people that, um, yeah, if they've overeaten, they think that they need to go to the gym to burn those calories off. Um, but then it kind of gets you into that, that loop of, one, I don't actually have to listen to my body about like what food, how much food to eat. Cause I'll just, I'll just do an extra session and burn this off. Right. If we approach it with the, I'm going to listen to my body. I'm still going to have those fun foods, but, um, 
exercise, exercise is for mental health. Exercise is for getting stronger physically and uh, mentally stronger. But I stopped thinking about exercise as how many calories did I burn? It always, it's just that, I don't know, like that, that loop that like, Oh, if then it's not a healthy long-term thing. Like, again, I wouldn't want the seven year old version of myself to be, uh, using exercise to burn calories, but I want the 70 year old version of myself to be lifting weights, to be strong. I want the 70 year old version of myself to be going on movement walks. Right. Um, but I think that that's a big thing of like, what do you want for the younger version of yourself or the younger females? And what do you want for yourself when you're older? Do you want to be doing keto when you're, you know, like, do you want to be afraid of food when you're older? If not, what can you do a little bit? Like, just like we talked about, like the, the one, get, get rid of one rule. How can you do just a little bit of having that life now and start practicing? Um, cause you're deserving of that life now. You don't have to wait until you're seven years old to be deserving of that life or until you have this particular body, um, to have that life. Um, and then I also go back to two authors, um, James Clear of Atomic Habits and Janine Roth, um, and they both kind of say this thing of like, who you are on the journey is who you will be when you arrive. So you might have this like, no, I want this body. But it's like, if the only way that you can get that body is by um, you know, doing double workouts um, and feeling miserable and feeling shitty about yourself, you're going to get to that body and still feel crappy about yourself because the path you took to get there felt really crappy. Yeah. yeah. Just like you said, when you were really skinny, you would look at yourself. You still find stuff to be still miserable with. Yeah, and that's that's like the inner game, right? It's not about the physique, actually. Yeah, I talk about meals and movement. Those are the things everyone wants to talk about. But like mindset, your thoughts and beliefs about yourself, that's what fuels the actions you take. So if you have these thoughts and beliefs that I'm a crappy person unless I'm a size two and um then that's going to fuel the actions that you take with mm -hmm. food and with exercise and mm -hmm. with sleep as well that's a bit, another big thing like we like oh food exercise but like sleep mm -hmm. <laughs> how can you find yep. yourself yeah yeah totally all right this has been so good and super insightful is there anything else you would like to add something that i maybe didn't ask hmm. but you feel like it's very important to to know <laughs> um I think just the idea of like, you know, like we talked about being seven years old, really envision that life that you want for yourself. I have things like, I have like a bunch of different like <laughs> things over here on my wall, like things for me to remember. Nice. But like, I think that we have an image or a picture in our mind or maybe like a size, you know, a pair of jeans we're trying to fit into or whatever. You know, we just think specifically about our body. Um, but one thing actually Jill, our coach, had us do, um, she had us write down our ideal day. And this is so powerful. I have my clients do it as well. Um, what do you, like, what do you want out of your life? And what does your day look like? And so, like from the time you wake up, right? Like you wake up, what is the first thought that goes through your head? And like, what are the emotions you feel first thing when you wake up? is like, are your emotions like, Oh crap, like I have to go on the elliptical or like, Oh gosh, like I hate myself. I hate this day. Right. Like, are those really the thoughts and the emotions that you want to be having first thing in the morning? Like take the time to write out. Like, um, it's really fun. Cause I look at, I look back at what I wrote and it was like, I wake up early in the morning. I take my dog for a walk. Um, then I go to my office and I start my day. Um, I have a team around me and we're working together and then I leave work and I go home and I spend time with my husband, right? Like that's like the day that I'm working on trying to create. That's not going to happen overnight, but it's like, huh. I was like, I, I do do that thing where I get up, you know, early and I'm excited to get up. That's never been a thing. And I take my dog for a walk and I'm excited um, and I'm enjoying it. But I think that like, instead of just focusing on what does your body look like, get really in tune with. What is the life that you're trying to create? What does that actually look like from 6 a.m. to, you know, the rest of the day? And how can you do a little bit of that now? Because like you said, it's not, it's not really about the body and the weight, but that's just like one of those things that we kind of use to distract ourselves from the bigger things. And it's highly marketable. It's really easy to sell a diet. It is really easy 
to sell um, these quick fixes. And it's, especially as women, it's really easy to pick on, um, you know, looks. Every woman wants to look a certain way. It's, that's a really easy sell. Um, and it's, a, it's distracting because you'll spend all of your time and energy and money on these stupid things that don't actually give you the life that you want instead of spending, well, what is the life that I actually want? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I see Sarah is here. So Sarah, if you have any questions, you can unmute yourself and ask, or you can type them in the chat box. Um, there's something that you mentioned that I wanted to comment on. And just the last thing is, <laughs> I already forgot. Um, but yeah, the body and distraction and yeah, just being happy with yourself. I know it's sometimes it seems like it's the hardest thing to do, um, but it's a, it's a small baby baby step process and uh, and being just the kinder to yourself too, right? Oh, less, less hard yeah. and less um, demanding and less judgmental. Less judgmental also. And that's hard too, right? Because if you if the only way that you've ever gotten yourself to do anything or accomplish anything is by being mean to yourself then it's hard to think like, no, I, if I'm kind to myself, I won't get stuff done. But it's like, if you're mean to yourself, you don't actually enjoy the life that you're living. Yeah. If you can figure out a way to actually be kind to yourself, you can, you can actually enjoy the process, enjoy the journey. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jacqueline. Um, tell everybody also what's the best place to get in touch with you if somebody wants to chat with you. Yeah, yeah. So my website is um, www.imperfecteating.com. You have to put the W's, um, imperfecteating.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram um, or Facebook, Jacqueline.Rocchio.Silver. And then my, uh, my podcast is called Actually, You Are a Real Runner. So um, I kind of talk about my journey with running and seeing myself as a runner and also being okay that I'm uh, a middle-of-the-pack runner. and um, navigating life with running and figuring out different things yeah awesome awesome Thanks that's so, so good all right thank you so much i i'm sure you got um our listeners got a lot out of our chat today and uh i will hope to talk to you soon great thank you all right thanks bye